I froze in place and started staring at the fireplace in my kitchen and started saying things out loud like, it was a nice house to live in. Thank you, God, for the amount of time I was able to be here. And I just, I just went offline. Hi, brave friends. I'm Jessica Patay, your host for Brave Together podcast. And today we have a practical episode with licensed marriage and family therapist, Samantha Mori. She has her master's in marriage and family therapy from Hope International University. She works with the Center for Individual and Family Therapy in Torrance, California. Samantha is called to sit with women and couples as they work to address the broken pieces in their lives and climb toward healing and wholehearted living. She's been married for 25 years to her best friend and beloved husband, and together they parent two teen daughters. Samantha enjoys s'mores at the fire pit, making pajamas for family and friends, and cuddling under a quilt watching a Hallmark movie, which always has a good, predictable ending. Today, we're going to dive into what to do when crisis or emergency hits, and we have a particular response. And this is a topic that was requested. It came out of a support group, and so we actually addressed it later on with our guest today, Samantha Mori. She came to be a guest speaker, and after a beautiful discussion, we said we've got to turn this into a podcast episode. So thanks for tuning in. I think you're going to learn something and you're going to appreciate this conversation. Hi, Sam. It's so good to be with you again. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Good morning, Jess. And for our audience who has never listened to an episode with you before, I just want to share with them that I've known you since Luke, my oldest, who is now almost 22. We met when he was a baby, right? He was in yep, infant care, he was right? A baby. Oh uh-huh. my gosh! And you have loved our family well. Thank you, thank you, thank right you. Right back at you. And Samantha is a gifted therapist. When she made that decision to go to grad school, we all knew this is your calling. This is your gifting. So I'm so glad you're doing it. You seem to be thriving. Oh, thank you. I sure love it. It's definitely one of those, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life jobs. Well, today's episode is a topic that has been requested, whether in our support groups or just it comes up in our Facebook group. And so why not have an expert talk to us about this? Moms who have children who struggle, whether medically or psychologically, go through crisis. All human beings go through a crisis. So really, this is for anyone. Anyone could listen to this episode and greatly benefit. And the question was, what do I do when crisis hits and I feel so paralyzed and so overwhelmed? And so it sort of morphed into a deeper explanation, which I want to let you go ahead and jump in and explain to our listeners about our typical responses. Mm -hmm. You got it. Yeah, Jess, what you're talking about is something that we call the threat response. Simple as that, threat response. And most people are familiar with it being called the fight or flight response, but there's been a couple added over the years, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So it kind of cracks me up if there's another one, what what other F word are they going to use? But 
Anyway, so the the threat responses are really important to understand about yourself. Most people don't think about it until after they've realized they had a response. And then they're like, wow, I, I, I was surprised by how I reacted. And that's how you find out what your threat response is. So this is a thing, just to kind of give you a little bit of, of an idea of how this works. So in the back of your brain, we have this little tiny thing called an amygdala. And when the amygdala perceives threat, now it could be perceived threat or real threat. That's the tricky part. And we'll get to that in a minute, but it doesn't care. It's perceiving some sort of threat. Then it starts shooting out certain danger chemicals out of the brain and goes into our body. It goes into our organs. It goes into the nervous system. So you might start sweating. You might, your heartbeat starts going fast. Some people get stomach aches. Um, So it's crazy because all that started in that little part of the brain and it went right down into the body. Now the adult part of our brain hasn't quite caught on yet. So there's like this reaction happening in our body and our adult brain isn't quite online, doesn't really know what's happening. So that is how the threat response begins. Okay. Are we even aware that there's this gap or we just, I bet probably anyone listening is probably aware that they have felt it in their body when something hits. Yeah, no, I think that's the tricky thing. I think many of us don't even realize this is actually happening or they'll think what's wrong with me Why am I not figuring this out? They don't realize this is an actual physical process that's happening in their body, whether they want it to or not. So it's for a lot of people, it could be really relieving like, oh, this is a thing. (laughs) This is my body reacting. This isn't me making a choice. And that could be really helpful for people. And then with those four different responses that you mentioned are those are we just sort of wired in a particular way to respond yeah i think we can be we can be wired okay. in a particular way and it's possible for us to address it so i'll go through the four and kind of give you an idea um just a quick little thumbnail sketch of each one, and then you'll kind of see maybe how we might have been wired that way. So the first one, the most famous one would be the fight. So um, this is the person who has an immediate, somewhat uh, aggressive reaction. So they go into the threat, they go into the danger. This can be positive or negative. So you think of like our firefighters, they all likely have a fight threat response, right? They go into danger. It's natural to them. We need that from them. Thank you, firefighters. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but when it becomes not a great thing is when it's destructive. When somebody just immediately perceives danger and they just start swinging or they just start getting angry or they go in aggressively. This can be as simple as your your child says something to you that you just don't know what to do with. So you react aggressively. And then you look back and go, why did I react that way? Because likely you were threatened by whatever your child was talking about. It scared you somehow. And so you reacted. So that would be the fight. The flight is the person who just knows 
automatically to remove themselves from the danger. They just get out of there. Usually it's, it's even physically, they will just leave. This is even sometimes a conscious choice and it's usually out of some sort of self-protection. I'm, I'm scared. I'm in danger. I'm, I'm out. I'm, this is going to roll downhill. So I'm escaping. And this is something that somebody probably learned. Uh, somebody who grew up maybe around a lot of trauma, a lot of fear, they learned how to get themselves out of danger. So in some ways, that's not necessarily a bad response, right? If they're getting themselves out of danger, but there are times where we need to stay in it. And that person has to learn how to stay present in some sort of a conflict. So that's flight. And then freeze. Freeze is the person who kind of goes offline, they blank. They just get immediately flooded in the brain and they, they freeze. Their body is kind of disabled in that moment. And they don't understand why. They're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. And they just absolutely freeze both emotionally, mentally, and I would say physically too. And then we have the fawn, which is our newest member of the threat responses. This is the person who immediately starts pleasing, immediately starts negotiating in kind of a desperate way. So I'll do whatever you want, whatever. It's okay, whatever, whatever you need. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. It's okay. And they will immediately try to calm down the situation out of self-protection. But they're also not able to kind of stand up for themselves and, um, you know, address the situation. They just kind of fold, if you will. So that is the, the quick description of the threat responses. I have a couple stories that illustrate these pretty well. One of them is really dramatic and one of them is just funny. There's the story of these two women, maybe 20-ish years ago, who were therapists going to New York City together for a conference. And they got to New York a little bit late. And I guess their hotel room was by Central Park. So they thought that they would take a stroll through Central Park on their way to their hotel, not really realizing the danger that that could pose. So these two sweet women are sitting on some bench and somebody approaches them and threatens them and says, give me your luggage. And I guess acted like they had a gun. It was a very threatening situation. No perceived danger here. This is real danger. Well, one of the women automatically gets up and starts screaming and chasing the man, chases him away in her high heels, like, you're not getting my luggage, and runs after him. And he takes off. The other woman freezes, and she was stuck on the bench, couldn't move her body, didn't know what to think or feel, and was absolutely frozen. And the other woman comes running back to the bench, and she's like, we got to get out of here. Da, da, da. And the other woman just couldn't move. And, it, and these are two therapist women, which I think is interesting. The woman who froze was so devastated by her response that a handful of months later, she actually took her life because she was so disgusted with herself and didn't know how to make amends with that part of her. She was so deeply disappointed with herself. And this is an extremely dramatic story, I know, but it goes to show she didn't know. And how would she have known something so threatening? And she didn't know how to extend grace to herself to just tend to what she needed to tend to. So that is a very dramatic example of a reaction. 
Another story, certainly not as dramatic. I call this Easter of 2003. I had a house full of people that I was serving Easter lunch to. And I was making, if you've heard of Yorkshire puddings, we're very, very English. So I was practicing making Yorkshire puddings and it involves using very hot oil. Well, I didn't do it right. And the oil spilled over in my oven and I had this gigantic grease fire. My oven all of a sudden looked like a giant fireplace. It was super dramatic. And I froze. I froze in place and started staring at the fireplace in my kitchen and started saying things out loud. Like it was a nice house to live in. Thank you, God, for the amount of time I was able to be here. And I just I just went offline. Now my husband (laughs) has a fight response. He goes into danger automatically. And he, he comes running in, he sees the flames. He has to actually move my body in order to get to the oven. He's like, babe, uh, you got to move. And he grabs the oven mitts and he grabs the pans and he throws them outside and he takes care of it. I'm still frozen in place. I had no idea that I would ever react that way. And I had a lot of shame, not quite as much as that dear woman and with the New York story, but I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed because I had this house full of people and they're all staring at me like, why is she just standing there? But that is when I discovered my threat response. Wow, so in both of these stories, Is there expectation that we place on ourselves that we're going to react in a certain way? And then when we don't, we just shame ourselves. Like, let's let's speak to that because that is so Mm -hmm. harmful. Obviously, in your first story, how incredibly devastating that she could not extend self-compassion and grace to herself Mm -hmm. for her response. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that we, we all would like to be the hero. We all would like Mm -hmm. to be the person who handles things well, who shows up for themselves, for others in emergencies. I think we want to be that person, but at the end of the day, we may not be. And this is all, a lot of this has to do with where we come from. I personally come from a lot of trauma and a lot of danger. So it would be more natural and expected for me to not really know what to do. Whereas my husband doesn't come from anything like that. He has way more of a secure base. And so he's not tapping into perceived danger or like stored stories of fear, right? They're not there. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. depending on where you come from, even if you come from trauma or or if you don't, I think we all just kind of want to be a hero. We want to do the right thing. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And we don't plan for curveballs. We don't plan for them. So how how are we going to prepare ourselves, right? Right. So what would be helpful to our listeners? So they're probably checking in with themselves. Okay, which one am I mostly? Because I'm <laughs> guessing we probably might have different threat responses in different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that it sounds like we probably have a tendency, though, towards one out of those four. Am I, am I right, Sam? Yeah, I would say that. I, that would be my thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if our audience is sort of checking in with themselves, oh, okay, I've, I see, I remember this situation with my kid, my family, whatever it was. Oh, well, gosh, 
I didn't like that. Is there a way to train myself to have a response that seems more constructive or helpful rather than reacting aggressively or reacting by shutting down completely, which I can't do that. I'm a mom and my kid is having seizures or whatever the maybe a medical emergency or psychological emergency is going on. Can we retrain ourselves? You know, I, I'd like to say yes. Is that a sure thing? I couldn't say, but I definitely like to say mm-hmm. yes. I think it's about, so all of our listeners now thinking about, okay, what do I have any sort of historical data on myself that would say, yeah, I'm a freezer or I'm a fighter or I'm a flighter or whatever, or please, or I'm a fawner. So kind of try to think about that and gather that. And then I think it's about, it's just about awareness. Awareness is such a game changer. If we're aware of something, then we have the opportunity to address it, right? If we're not aware of something, we have no opportunity to address it. So I think it's awareness. I know for me with the whole Easter fire, I really had to think about that and was like, that's just not okay. (laughs) I don't want to do that again. And I've had other opportunities that have come up where I, I was able to get online quick enough. When I say online, I mean, go upstairs to the adult brain, get out of the downstairs brain where you're just stuck get yourself upstairs to the adult brain faster and then be able to say, okay, this is what I need to do and start doing whatever it is you have to do in that emergency situation. Okay. What would be a good practice if our listeners are, you know, in the future, find themselves responding in a way that maybe they didn't like, what would be a good way to remind them, remind us all to practice self-compassion and grace for that response? Yeah, well, I think it's exactly what you just said. It's it's realizing maybe you reacted in a way that you didn't like, and then exactly that, extending that compassion and grace to self, not condemning, that gets us nowhere, right? That makes us go backwards. But to be able to say, okay, this is still an issue for me. How would I like to respond? And even do like a like a visualized redo in your head. Like I like with the Easter fire, the funny example. Okay, I wish that I was able to say, oh my gosh, this is terrible. What do I need to do? Yell for my husband, grab the oven mitts. Now we have a fire extinguisher installed in almost every bedroom ever since that day. Grab the fire extinguisher and do what I need to do. And so giving myself the opportunity to kind of visualize, I can come through. I can do this. This does not have to stay here. And then hopefully the next time you're called to the carpet, you're going to be quicker to do the things that you're wanting to do. And unfortunately, this kind of thing, and I hate this word, but it's going to involve practice. That's the only Mm -hmm. way we'll know if we're growing, right? Is to involve, is to allow yourself to practice a new response every time the next curveball comes up. And and we all know that those curveballs are going to come. But yeah, I would say kind of visualizing what you would like to do based on the stories you already have. And then also just really go to somebody else and process that situation. 
talk it through, talk about what happened, talk about how Mm -hmm. you would like to respond next time. And there's a, there's something kind of, I think magical that happens when you talk something out and you talk it through, it becomes more real in you. And that's, that's an easy thing to do. You know, calling a friend, a parent, if you have a therapist, talking something like that through with a therapist, that, that could be really powerful. I like that. I like that. That's, that's very doable. We can talk about it and we can visualize and we can practice. And yeah, no one likes the word practice, but if we really are wanting to have a different response, it is going to take practice. Uh, one, a couple other things real quick that could be helpful for somebody is we kind of, we kind of laugh at the whole deep breathing thought. Like that's such a therapisty thing to say, know. you know, take deep breaths, you know, it's, it's overlooked, but it's actually very real when somebody is in a crisis situation and they're, they're even aware that their body is, is responding. They, they know how their body responds. Either they start sweating or their heart beat, or they get that anxiety, heavy feeling on their chest or their stomach starts hurting, whatever their responses are practicing like rhythmic up and down breathing and counting it out like four seconds up, four seconds down, you would be shocked how that goes right to the nervous system and starts calming down the nervous system. And also the idea of sighing, just like pushing out air on purpose, that sends signals to the nervous system to start calming down. And if you watch somebody, like when I'm in my office and I watch somebody talk about something very traumatic, they will have these automatic responses of sighing and they don't even know they're doing it. And I watch their own body start to try to make itself calm down. And sometimes I'll point it out and I'll say, did you, did you know you just sighed there? And they're like, no, but, and now they know, okay, I can intentionally do that to start calming myself down. And these are just little tiny things that we can all do. That's so fascinating, the science thing. I I totally believe in deep breaths. I'm always preaching deep breaths because it's free and it does work. There's science behind it that it (laughs) does prove to calm us down. But the science thing, I had never heard that, Sam. That's so, that's interesting. Yeah, tuck that away. Okay. I will. I will. Is there anything you haven't said that you want to make sure that you teach our audience or encourage our audience with? Yeah. I think that when it comes to the threat response, I think it would be helpful if we all remembered that we're all at a level playing field. Everybody's going to have a threat response everybody's going to have some sort of a reaction. Maybe you want a certain one (laughs) and you would rather instead of the one you have, but we all have to address this in ourselves. We all have to. And unfortunately we don't, we kind of know, we kind of know these little weak, more bruised areas when we get life, life's curveballs. But I just want to remind everybody that we're all in that boat. Nobody is on an island with this. And we all have the opportunity to address this in ourselves and improve as individuals. I like that because it's easy to covet somebody else's threat response or put values on certain threat responses and again, Mm -hmm. beat ourselves up or think that 
other people are more evolved psychologically than we are with threat responses. But I like how you said, we're all, it's a level playing field. We're all in this. We're all in the boat together. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been great. And Sam, if anyone wants to reach out to you for further questions or they want to, they're seeking a new therapist, how can our audience find you here in Southern California, I should say, in the South Bay area? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, my email is Samantha M as in Maury, Samantha M at siftcounseling.com and sift is spelled C-I-F-T. That's an acronym for the Center of Individual Central Center of Individual and Family Therapy. This is a long one. SIFTCounseling.com. And you're welcome to email me with further questions. If you're interested in our counseling center, you can just go on SIFTCounseling.com's website. We have a whole list of therapists in five different locations all over Southern California. Well, actually, Orange County, one in LA. So uh, you're welcome to do that. If you live in a different part of LA, I can try to hook you up with a different referral in a different part of LA. It certainly doesn't have to be at SIFT. So yeah, feel free if somebody would need that kind of support. Wonderful. Thank you, Sam. So good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. Thanks so much for listening today. Do us a favor and leave us a review and a rating so that this podcast can get into the ears and the hearts of more and more moms. Did you know that Brave Together Podcast is an extension of our nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? We Are Brave Together serves an international community of caregiving moms by offering support groups that are virtual and in-person, educational resources, and low-cost weekend retreats. And we offer retreat scholarships. We represent all 50 of the United States and 21 countries around the world. We are here to remind you that you are not alone, you are braver and stronger than you think, and that girlfriends who get you are sacred and mandatory. To join us today, go to wearebravetogether.org. Our support and sisterhood await you.